section thirty one of heroines of fiction by william dean howells this librivox recording is in the public domain mr james's daisy miller as i have noted before in these papers it is the fate of most novelists to be associated in the minds of readers with a certain type of heroine or with a single heroine if it is a type that represents the novelist he is not unfairly used for the type may be varied into distinctive characters if it is a single character it seems not so just for every novelist has invented many characters mr henry james for instance has given us more and more finely yet strongly differenced heroines than any novelist of his time but at the mention of his name a single creation of his will come so prominently to mind that daisy miller will for the moment make us forget all her sisters one mr james's time is still ours and while perfect artistry is prized in literature it is likely to be prolonged indefinitely beyond our time but he belongs pre-eminently to that period following the civil war when our authorship felt the rising tide of national life in an impulse to work of the highest refinement the most essential truth the tendency was then toward a subtle beauty which he more than any other american writer has expressed in his form and toward a keen humorous penetrating self-criticism which seized with joy upon the expanding national life and made it the material of fiction as truly national as any yet known mr j w de forest was the pioneer in the path which the american novelists were to take and hard upon him came mr henry james as unlike him as one talent could well be unlike another and yet of the same mission in preparing the way and planting the seeds of an imaginative literature native to our soil but taking the four winds of heaven in its bows they were as like in their equipment through study and sojourn abroad as they have been unlike in their destiny mr de forest's books are a part of our literary history mr james's books are a part of our literature mr de forest somehow offended the finer female sense in whose favor the prosperity of our fiction resides and he is no longer read mr james who flattered it as little lastingly piqued it and to read him if for nothing but to condemn him is the high intellectual experience of the daughters of mothers whose indignant girlhood resented while it adored his portraits of american women to enjoy his work to feel its rare excellence both in conception and expression is a brevet of intellectual good form which the women who have it prized at all its worth this is not a history of american fiction and i cannot arrange here 
for giving mr james even a provisional predominance in it but those who know our short and simple annals in that sort will no doubt place him where he belongs those who do not know them may at least be told that no american writer has been more the envy and ambition of generous youth trying for distinction as well as sincerity in their work two mr james is not quite the inventor of the international novel as i intimated in my notices of the initials but he is the inventor beyond question of the international american girl he recognized and portrayed the innocently adventuring unconsciously paraculent american maiden who hastened to efface herself almost as soon as she saw herself in that still flattering if a little mocking mirror so that between two sojourns in europe a decade apart she had time to fade from the vision of the friendly spectator in eighteen sixty to seventy you saw her and heard her everywhere on the european continent in eighteen seventy to eighty you sought her in vain amidst the monuments of art or on the misty mountain-tops or at the table d'hote her passing might have been the effect of a more instructed civilization or it might have been a spontaneous and voluntary disappearance in any case she was gone and it seemed a pity for she was sweet and harmless with a charm derived from our earth and sky a flavour of new world conditions imparting its wilding fragrance to that strange environment as freely as to its native air i could well fancy her discoverer feeling a pang of desolation to find no longer in the living world this lovely creature who perished as it were of her own impossibility and whose faded ghost has no habitat but in his faithful page it was perhaps in some such divine despair that he left the field of international fiction which he had made his own and had kept for so many years and turned to english life with only a thin american presence flitting now and then across the scene he has done better work because maturer work in the treatment of this alien material than he did in the earlier fiction before he possessed himself of the international field his english people have the convincing effect of having been more truly seen than others except trollops but they are not those absolute contributions to polite learning which his internationals are no one else could do them certainly no living englishman and yet one resents the author's late preoccupation with them and demands his return to the types of that atlantis psychologically midway between europe and america where his art ripened and perfected itself in the study of character which confided its existence to him earliest if not onlyest one demands this of him with a strong disposition to implore him if the demand fails to comply in the interest of history which must without his help fail of some of the most curious and interesting not to say significant phases of modern civilization 
since he began to note americo-european manners we have gone increasingly abroad and his field has indefinitely broadened and filled itself with an increasing variety of figures if these have lost the refreshing sharpness of outline which first tempted his eye they have gained in a fine differentiation which ought still more sympathetically to invite his subtle fancy a whole new generation has grown up in the international field and since he abandoned it no one else has held it in any such force as to be able to dispute his sovereignty if he should come back to it three it is a curious and interesting fact of mr james's literary fortunes that in his short stories one is obliged to call them stories for want of a more closely fitting word rather than his more extended fictions are the heroes and the heroines we know him best by he has the art of so environing the slightest presentment of female motive that it shows life-size in the narrow space of a sketch or study and you remember such a picture with a fullness of detail and of particularity wanting to many colossal figures you seem in the retrospect to have lived a long time with the pictures looks attitudes phrases remain with you and when you revert to the book you do not lose this sense of rich amplitude it would be futile to catalogue the personalities which are so real in the recollection of stories so numerous but not half numerous enough and it is only for the pleasure of naming them over that i mention at random mrs headway in the siege of london the terrible georgina in georgina's reasons madame mauve in the story called after her pandora in pandora lady barberina in lady barberina lemon that pathetic presence in the altar of the dead the two wives of the master in the lesson of the master both the girls in the spoils of poynton the heroine and mrs dallow the sub-heroine in the tragic muse the daughter in marriages the poor shabbily defrauded girl in paste the two old things the old maids in the third person lily and miss gunton of poughkeepsie the list is inexhaustible and it is not only futile but dangerous to deal with it for your forgetfulness of any figure accuses your taste in all the rest and if you leave out a general favour you are in peril of falling a prey to the furious resentment of those who adore just that neglected heroine no other novelist has approached mr james in his appreciation of women and in his abilities to suggest the charm which is never wholly absent from women whether they are good bad or indifferent in looks or behaviour take all the other men that have written novels in english and match their women with his and they seem not to have written of women at all a few women may vie with him in the portrayal of a few figures jane austen may and fanny burney and miss edgeworth and george eliot and the brontes and mrs humphrey ward but their heroines are as much outnumbered by his as the novelists are in every other way surpassed the fact is not affected by the want of general recognition 
it is not yet known to the ignorant masses of educated people that mr james is one of the greatest masters of fiction who has ever lived it is because he has worked in a fashion of his own in regions of inquiry not traversed by the herd of adventurers and dealt with material not exploited before that he is still to the critical jews a stumbling-block and to the critical greeks foolishness but time will inevitably care for this unrivalled artist or this unique psychologist who deals artist-wise with his knowledge of human nature and he will yet take that eminent place for which he has no rival i cannot in thinking of him and his somewhat baffling failure of immediate acceptance promise myself that his right will be acknowledged soon his own generation in its superior refinement was better fitted to appreciate him than the present period coarsened and vulgarized by the prevalence of puerile romance and yet if his earliest masterpiece had been offered to this thicker-witted time i doubt if it would have suffered the same injustice which it met from a more enlightened tribunal or at least the same kind of injustice it is pathetic to remember how daisy miller was received or rather rejected as an attack on american girlhood and yet it is perfectly intelligible that it should have been taken so by americans who had still a country to be so inclusively proud of that they could not bear the shadow of question to fall upon any phase of it our political descent to the european level has not only thickened our skins but it has in a manner so broadened though it has imbruted our minds that if she could have come again we should see daily miller's innocent freedom in the face of immemorial convention with the liberal and tolerant pleasure which the english at once felt in it we should not be blinded to her charm or to the subtle patriotism which divined and portrayed it by a patriotism which if fervent and generous was not so subtle as the author's but as i have said daisy miller cannot come again the very conditions that would render us patient of her now have rendered her impossibility impossible it is a melancholy paradox but we need not be inconsolable for though she has perished for ever from the world we have her spiritual reflex still vivid in the sensitive mirror which caught with such accuracy her girlish personality while it still walked the earth in the dusty ways of european travel for the story of daisy miller is as slight as mr james delights to make the frame of his picture which depends so very little for its quality upon the frame she is first seen at vevey in switzerland with her young but terribly mature little brother and their mother a little lonely american group in the rather impertinent custody of a courier whom they make their domestic if not social equal and she is seen last at rome where indeed she dies of the fever the wonder of the international and the opprobrium of the compatriotic society such drama as arises from the simple circumstances precipitates itself in a few spare incidents which in the retrospect dwindled to nothing before 
the superior interest of the psychology a girl of the later eighteen seventies sent with such a mother as hers to europe by a father who remains making money in schenectady after no more experience of the world than she had got in her native town and at a number of new york dinners among people of like tradition uncultivated but not rude reckless but not bold inexpugnably ignorant of the conventionally right and spiritedly resentful of control by criterions that offend her own sense of things she goes about europe doing exactly what she would do at home from an innocence as guileless as that which shaped her conduct in her native town she knows no harm and she means none she loves life and talking and singing and dancing and attentions but she is no flirt and she is essentially and infinitely far from worse her whole career as the reader is acquainted with it is seen through the privity of the young europeanized american who meets her at vevey and follows her to rome in a fascination which they have for each other but which is never explicitly a passion this side of the affair is of course managed with the fine adroitness of mr james's mastery from the first moment the sense of their potential love is a delicate pleasure for the reader till at the last it is a delicate pang when the girl has run her wild gauntlet and is dead not only of the roman fever but of the blows dealt her in her course there is a curious sort of fatality in it all she is destined by innate and acquired discipline to do the things she does and she is not the less doomed to suffer the things she suffers in proportion to the offence she gives by her lawless innocence the things she does are slight things but their consequences break her heart and leave the readers aching as winterborne's must have ached lifelong five the young man is sitting in the garden of the trois couronnes at vevey talking with her terrible little brother when daisy miller comes down the walk toward them she was dressed in white muslin with a hundred frills and flounces and knots of pale-coloured ribbon she was bareheaded but she balanced in her hand a large parasol with a deep border of embroidery and she was strikingly admirably pretty he was ceasing to be embarrassed for he had begun to perceive that she was not the least embarrassed herself she gradually gave him more of the benefit of her glance and then he saw that this glance was perfectly direct and unshrinking it was not however what would have been called an immodest glance for the young girl's eyes were singularly honest and fresh they were wonderfully pretty eyes and indeed winterbourne had not seen for a long time anything prettier than his fair countrywoman's various features her complexion her nose her ears her teeth as regards this young lady's face he made several observations it was not at all insipid but it was not exactly expressive and though it was eminently delicate winterbourne mentally accused it very forgivingly of a want of finish 
he thought it very possible that master randolph's sister was a coquette he was sure she had a spirit of her own but in her bright sweet superficial little visage there was no mockery no irony before long it became obvious that she was much disposed to conversation having first assured herself that he was a real american her lips and her eyes were constantly moving she had a soft slender agreeable voice with all her prettiness in her lively eyes and in her light slightly monotonous smile before the end of the day her mother has evasively appeared and been unwillingly made acquainted with her daughter's unknown friend whom the girl has already easily made invite her to go with him to see the castle of chillon the mother is not surprised that evening in the same garden when daisy tells him she wishes he would take her a row on the lake mrs miller sees no social objection but suggests i should think you had better find out what time it is the courier however who has arrived to announce that randolph has gone to bed ventures to interpose i suppose you don't think it's proper daisy exclaimed oh i hoped you would make a fuss i don't care to go now i myself shall make a fuss if you don't go said winterbourne that's all i want a fuss and the young girl began to laugh again daisy turned away from winterbourne looking at him smiling and fanning herself good-night she said i hope you are disappointed or disgusted or something he looked at her taking the hand she offered i am puzzled he answered well i hope it won't keep you awake i should not know where else to find the witless purposelessness beyond the moment's excitement and the pleasure of bewildering a young man in much of a girl's behaviour more sufficiently yet more sparingly suggestive than in these admirable passages the girl is a little fool of course but while her youth lasts she is an angelic a divine fool with caprices that have the quality of inspirations she behaves at vevey with winterbourne a real american as she would have done with a gentleman friend at schenectady but when he sees her next at rome he finds her behaving with italians as if they too were gentlemen friends at schenectady he meets her at the house of a europeanized american lady who would fain europeanize daisy enough at least to save her from scandal daisy was exchanging greetings very prettily with her hostess but when she heard winterbourne's voice she quickly turned her head well i declare she said i told you i should come winterbourne rejoined smiling well i didn't believe it said miss daisy you might have come to see me i arrived only yesterday i don't believe that the young girl declared why you were awfully mean at vevey you wouldn't do anything you wouldn't stay there when i asked you my dearest young lady cried winterbourne with eloquence have i come all the way to rome to encounter your reproaches just hear him say that said daisy giving a twist to a bow on mrs walker's dress did you ever hear anything so quaint so quaint my dear murmured mrs walker in the tone of a partisan of winterbourne well i don't know said daisy fingering mrs walker's ribbons mrs walker i want to tell you something you know i'm coming to your party but i want your permission to bring a friend it's an intimate friend of mine mr giovanelli said daisy without a tremor in her clear little voice or a shadow on her brilliant little face he's an italian 
he is the handsomest man in the world except mr winterbourne he thinks ever so much of americans he's tremendously clever he's perfectly lovely the afternoon before the party mrs walker and winterbourne find daisy walking on the pincio at the supreme hour of the promenade with giovanelli quite as she would have been with a gentleman friend at home mrs walker wants her to leave him and get into her carriage but daisy thinks it would disappoint and wound him and she will not do that in the evening she comes to the party long after her mother has appeared and comes alone with giovanelli as she might with a gentleman friend in connectedly when she goes up to take leave of her hostess mrs walker turns her back on her it is the beginning of the end in which all society turns its back on daisy winterbourne sees her for the last time in the Colosseum at midnight alone with giovanelli how long have you been here he asked almost brutally daisy lovely in the flattering moonlight looked at him a moment then all the evening she answered gently i never saw anything so pretty i am afraid that you will not think roman fever very pretty this is the way people catch it i never was sick the girl declared i don't look like much but i am healthy i was bound to see the Colosseum by moonlight i shouldn't have wanted to go home without that and we've had the most beautiful time haven't we mr giovanelli i should advise you said winterbourne to drive home as fast as possible what you say is very wise giovanelli rejoined i will go and make sure that the carriage is at hand daisy followed with winterbourne he kept looking at her she seemed not the least embarrassed then noticing his silence she asked him why he did not speak he only began to laugh they passed under one of the dark archways giovanelli was in front with the carriage here daisy stopped a moment looking at the young american did you believe the other day i was engaged i believe it makes very little difference whether you are engaged or not he felt the young girl's pretty eyes fixed upon him through the thick loom of the archway i don't care said daisy in a little strange tone whether i have the roman fever or not in her delirium she entreats her mother to tell winterbourne that she never was engaged to giovanelli after her death he finds himself alone with the italian by her grave he seemed to wish to say something at last he said she was the most beautiful young lady i ever saw and the most amiable and then he added and she was the most innocent six the perfection of the workmanship in this little book could not be represented without an apparent exaggeration which would wrong its scrupulous but most sufficient expression if no word could be spared without in some degree spoiling it none could be added without cumbering its beauty with a vain decoration to quote from it at all is to wish to quote it all and one resigns oneself the more easily to the impossibility of giving a notion of the perfection of the performance in view of the impossibility of imparting a due sense at second hand of the loveliness and truth of the conception the reader must go to the book for both and when he has read it i think he will agree with me that never was any civilization offered a more precious tribute than that which a great artist paid ours in the character of daisy miller but our civilization could not imagine the sincerity in which the tribute was offered it could not realize that daisy miller was presented in her divine innocence her inextinguishable trust in herself and others 
as a supreme effect of the american attitude toward womanhood the american man might have suffered her perhaps more than suffered her pitied her adored her even but the american woman would none of her she fancied in the poor girl a libel of her nationality almost a libel of her sex and failed to seize her wilding charm her flower-like purity the american woman would none of daisy miller not because the american woman was ungracious or ungrateful but because she was too jealous of her own perfection to allow that innocence might be reckless and angels in their ignorance of evil might not behave as discreetly as worse people End of section thirty one